0: Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dimzik powered
1: by BetSperts.
2: Welcome to The Deep Dive. Uh, there are uh, a few people that I have high on the list that I was really hoping we could interview this off season, And uh, today is one of those days. So I'm super excited for today's pod. Uh, we finally get to... F- To complete the uh, trifecta of uh, Andrews here, I'm of course joined by Andy Molitor, who's muted for whatever reason, Um, myself, Drew Densick, and of course, we welcome Andrew at Time and C on Twitter, uh, first ever guest to the deep dive pod. Andy just bailed on us. Well, it is what it is. Uh, Andrew, welcome to the deep dive. How's it going? Oh, you know, so I'm sitting here watching Utah, Boston, uh, seeing Rudy Gobert's Defensive Player of the Year hopes crumble before my eyes. Um, So I couldn't be happier because I'm not a Rudy Gobert guy. Uh, and I, I think I know a few uh, people
1: who would uh, like to see those hopes crumble.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's just getting absolutely abused right now by Boston's offense, which, you know, Boston's playing well, but. Clearly, they're not an offensive powerhouse, although going up against Utah is making them look good tonight. Um, That said, uh, while we wait for Andy to come back, I appreciate you joining us tonight so we can get a little bit into uh, what it is to be kind of an advantage player and an originator in the college basketball space. Um, I first heard of you from the TBWC, This Business We Chose pod with Philip Shepard. Um, you had a great, great episode, and that whole catalog is great for if you're if you're into this at the highest level, I could not recommend that more to go check those out. They are all great listens. You need to dedicate about two weeks of your life to hear them all. But that's aside the point. Um, it was a cool, cool story. And then lo and behold, run up against you uh in the um bet the process Calcutta last year for the college uh, hoops. And uh, you smoked me. <laughs> so I was immediately like, wow, uh, I got to get this guy on eventually and uh, kind of talk a little bit about process and, um, you know, particularly at least the stage that I'm in as a player and li- listening to your breakdown of your process and where, you know, kind of where you play and, and how you're staking and all that seems like, um, you know, we, I could definitely, you know, I'm, I'm interested in learning a lot from you in terms of, um, you know, what, what you think about the space. Um, and so I guess kind of before getting into some of the details, give people an idea of some of your background, you started, you kind of pivoted into this sort of midstream leaving a professional, uh, you know, career as a trader and becoming a professional sports better. Is that a fair description?
1: Yeah. Um, I don't think there was as much intent there, uh, as it sounds <laughs> like I was
2: <laughs> you woke up one day and you're like, I'm not going, I'm-, I'm not going back. Uh, not, yeah. never again.
1: Um, I was betting sports kind of small, probably still with some advantage, but not doing it in the most professional way. Just kind of the small markets and the little edges that you can find without really modeling anything or kind of stuff like that. Um, And then uh, the fund I was working at kind of wasn't working out and left kind of looking for the next thing, thinking I was going to do this on the side until then uh and we're some years later and uh i still haven't found the next thing so here we are
2: <laughs> okay so um the key, key crossover as far as i could tell uh between what you were doing which was derivatives or options
1: uh yeah derivatives those <laughs> um, <laughs> i can't even hear you i
0: tried
2: to oh, put no. my phone
0: drew but i can't hear you i'll see if i can fix that yeah, the, right, the whole so. building. I'm just sitting here in the dark, terrified now. Oh
2: Jesus! The Full power out
0: during the opening credits. And again, I can't hear you, but I. Is this is a tor- Are you quiet quiet having the same tornado storm that ripped through, through the
2: southeast south. is now in Minnesota? Apparently, well, anyway, we'll get that worked out. In the meantime, um,
1: send somebody so, a check on him.
2: Yeah, seriously. Uh, Whatever is going on in North in Minnesota is headed your way because you're in Chicago, right? Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, um, it's probably not a weather-related thing. It's got to be just a. Uh, uh, building related thing, but regardless, the um, uh, the key kind of, uh, and you know, I, people know, I think people who listen to this pod know my background. Like I do earthquake engineering, seismology stuff. A lot of my day job is building distributions for predicting events, and that is, I think, a useful starting point to evaluate a market and i don't know that a lot of people think of i need to develop a number and you know i what it's almost more important to think of it as i need to develop a distribution and then from that distribution evaluate whatever the median market thinks uh to try to find an edge and i guess do you still is that number one do you think that's a fair way of, of going about it and number two um you know do you know, what what are some of the key uh Uh, inputs that uh that you think are important when it comes to building out a distribution for projecting a game
1: um it's a a broad question but um yeah obviously uh advanced statistics pretty important in uh trying to predict anything and definitely in sports and finance and apparently natural disasters as well um And I mean, as far as what goes into predicting. Uh... Well,
2: let me ask you a better question because Andy was. Okay. Me. I, I, honestly, the 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 <laughs> now we can't hear him because he's muted.
1: I, I uh, had my mic
0: muted. No, That was on me. No, but I mean, that was just a really long question. Sometimes you do that to me, too. And I forget like at the end of your sentence. I'm like, I forget I'm what you're
2: asking. I'm killing. I'm obviously trying to stretch here so that you can get your tech worked out. Um, and uh, no, I and mean, I I'm just uh,
0: but... the whole town is out, I guess
2: sorry man <laughs> but no i think uh, the really what i was trying to get at is um for the most part if you're using the power ratings let's use that again. and uh no. you have a power number for two teams and you want to know what a spread should be you take the difference of those you got a median expectation of what that power number would be or even maybe just an average uh <laughs> but uh you know when it comes to coming up with a distribution, the key part, at least in my mind, is capturing the uncertainty. Is that fair?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's no secret that, uh, with as advanced as betting markets are that a straight linear power ratings is probably missing some stuff, um, in terms of any number of things, but it just, it doesn't provide a lot of context for the two teams playing each other and the context tends to matter. Um, just, I don't know, if, if one team is better against something that some other team does, uh, which is why I think getting a little bit beyond that is uh, is probably helpful in, in getting better at, at predicting games and ultimately betting on them.
2: Do you feel like the uncertainty part of the process is – correlated at all with where you end up, you know, kind of finding the greatest edges and doing most of your damage as a sports better.
1: Um, yeah, I think it's hard to, with as good as markets are, and they are pretty good and it is hard to win. It's hard to have big edges without some weird unknowns, right? Like in every sport the people making the numbers or opening the numbers if there's nothing weird or nothing super unknown, it's really not that hard to get pretty close to what the number should be. Um, so
2: the angles
1: and the extra information and the weird situations definitely make for all the super large edges. Um, and I, I mean, those don't come around that often, but um, it's the weird stuff that make, that's happening when they do.
2: Okay, so as sort of a, a specific example then, let's say you do a projection for a game and um, you have a pretty big difference between your mean and your median projection. And market is pretty close to median. Uh, this is something that comes up a lot with like um, Super Bowl player props usually, right? Or at least it used to. I think nowadays, you know, almost everything's kind of founded by the median. But, um, you know, I think do, does, you know, is that something you look at between your projection and, uh, you know, and and what the market is, um, you know, is, is hanging or how it's maturing. Um, and uh, you know, I mean, am I even in the right ballpark in terms of uh, anything about your process?
1: No, I mean, for sure. I do think it's difficult uh, in, in just where the liquidity lies. It's really hard to capitalize on, you know, if you have a wider variance than the market, right? If the mean and, you know, if, if, if your distribution is really wide and you see some weird outcomes, there's just not a lot of liquidity in betting for a lot of markets, like alternate spreads or, you know, I mean, golf outrights are clearly somewhere you could capitalize on that. Um, and maybe some futures uh, in, in major sports, but even those have their own, you know, liquidity issues and time constraint issues and, Um, so I guess as much as it sounds cool, I think it's difficult to capitalize on that edge more than it is just kind of trying to have good predictions.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's just more of a war of attrition via volume then because smaller edges with big volume. And I mean, that, I think that's where baseball guys are for the most part too. That's why I could never. I could never do the grind of baseball. Also, I don't think I am smart enough to pay attention to all the pitching stats. Like so many of those baseball guys are doing so much with pitching that I just don't have the, the time or bandwidth over the summer for. But uh, it's it's interesting with the uh, just how college basketball has been the last couple of years with uh so how some of the markets open. You do see those alt spreads, but you I mean you are right. Like they're few and far between. They're low limits, and what are you you know what are you going to try to do with those anyway? So you go go after that sort of stuff
1: that's just a book you're not going to have anymore yeah um, and I think I mean you mentioned the war of attrition, which is part of the reason that I'm still betting a lot of college basketball is because it sucks it's low limit it's hard to get down it carries with it all of the the tough things about betting but there's so many games that you can just keep getting down volume and keep churning uh, and it's hard to replace that so If I could bet, you know, a bunch of alt stuff and weird props, I would love to do that. But I don't see that market coming around anytime soon.
0: Yeah, what did what did Brinson say when he was uh, we had like a bad day on tennis or something? He's like, I just need the NBA draft and the NFL draft to happen tomorrow, and we'll be fine. (laughs) Like, just yeah, it's like every year we just say like we wish the NFL draft was once a month, stuff like that. But you're just never gonna have volume on stuff like that
2: no surely and uh yeah those are almost entirely different universes from a handicapping standpoint which is why it's you know and and, you know there's a whole discussion to be had about uh you know you keep some accounts open you keep your liquidity um available for moments like that and when you have stuff that is known enormous edges so that you can get something down um because if you don't then you know you're stuck with uh uh, like if you wanted to bet college, you know, NFL draft props today, well, you're not going to be able to get anything down unless you have 500 accounts, and that's you know, keeping 500 accounts alive is uh, is a matter of delicate balance as well. On top of that, but um, as going back to kind of process related questions here, um, I've found at least personally that you know coming up with a fair price or a number or even a really good distribution um is becoming uh you know it, it it has always been a little tough to realize meaningful uh winnings in liquid markets um just because it's it's very very challenging uh and it has gotten to the point where at least I feel like I'm not using the actual numbers as much for making plays as I am for just sort of a ground truth thing. Um, and I add kind of a qualitative layer on things where I'm like, okay, this is a tangible edge. Like I I know where the market is getting its fair. And there's this potential angle that's not being captured. That's qualitative or even quantitative. Uh, that I can layer on top and, and uh, use to find some edges or some angles. Um, are you noticing the same thing as you kind of continued to go through your process as a professional, that uh, the numbers themselves um, are more of an indicator to start your handicap as opposed to sort of the end all be all, hey, these are my numbers, go bet them, call today.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. Um, and I think... A lot of that is probably also you do as well. The more you model stuff or build stuff, you get to know your own stuff that you've built pretty well. And so you know where, like, man, I like this team every day. Like, I'm wrong here. I just know I'm wrong. I've seen how the market goes. Like, I, I, so I, you know, if I'm two points above market there, I'm probably on market. And I think that kind of stuff is where, yeah, the qualitative addition the sort of like trader instinct of like, yeah, I'm, I'm just wrong here. Um, it sort of comes in and is helpful.
2: More helpful to making good bets or avoiding
1: bad ones. (laughs) I mean, probably both, even qualitative stuff that I'm doing at some point, I'm trying to ascribe a price to it. Now it might not be the most data oriented thing in the world, but like the best players out bet the other side is never what I'm going to do. I'm going to, Try and make a good guess at what everything is worth that I can control, and then you know, do the best with it.
0: I think it's I think it's better for me, Drew, for me, as far as fitting bad bets, it's like knowing where your where your leaks are, or where where you're just massively <clears throat> not figuring things out. And sometimes you just stop and say, like, I don't give a shit. Like, I just I'm going to stop trying to figure this out. There's a weird uh, my my stuff couldn't quite, quite fathom how bad Mississippi Valley state was at a bunch of different facets of the game. And it just kept saying like, Oh, this is a good under spot. And it's a team that just uh, on any given night, give up a hundred points. If they decide to play poorly or I, I didn't even look into some of these box scores, just, you know, I'd, I'd avoid it. And then I'd go back and look and they'd lost, you know, 110 to 60 or something in a, in a total in the 140s. So I think, I think a lot of times I just run lots for a lot. lots for a lot. Something's not, <laughs> something's not quite jiving. I don't have time to figure out Mississippi Valley state for this year. And we're just going to, we're just going to start avoiding this altogether and kind of track what happens. It's interesting though. Cause usually when I identify that spot later on, I'm like, I should have almost been betting the other side of this. It's just, if I was, if I would have followed, you know, where my numbers were on this, I would have gone like two and 15 or something ridiculous. <laughs> on, you know, that's hyperbole, but I've had some weird ones like that where I just like, I know right away, like this number is just fucked every single game.
2: Yeah. Plugging leaks is a good. That's a good way to put it. Um, so if you're caught by surprise by your baseline number, you know, make fair, look at the market and it's meaningfully off and it is a teams that you thought Everybody kind of knows, you know, like you mentioned, no information. There's really no reason that there should be a huge misprice here. Um, what are some of, you know, what's your first instinct? Like, did somebody beat this number in a certain direction because they have information that's not known? Uh, is there some things fundamentally that I'm missing, or are those the spots where you're like, oh, well, I I get to catch the the poor number here. That's fine by me. Like, you know, what is sort of your 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 gut from I have an edge to I'm making the bet
1: um i mean the situations are different timing is clearly important because there's some players in the if if we're talking about basketball and college football which is a lot of what i bet specifically there's just some people who are moving early markets with a ton of volume and who are very informed i'm sure everyone listening knows who these people are it's like the the right angle sports and other people's like the end of the world sure um so i mean i think it's not i think like a lot of times numbers are off because they're moving markets really heavily. And then it, it's again, like you kind of have to handicap a little bit, like what their edge is, how much are they winning? and Like how much is the line moving enough where you can be like, okay, I know he's good, but he's not, you know, 65% good kind of stuff. Okay. Um, I mean, most of the time I'm betting this, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to bet stuff that's off market and, learn by doing a lot, Um, especially when you're playing a volume game. Um, If it's the third time in a row and the same team's lost by 40 both times, I'll probably try and bet a little less. Um, Not, you know, full Kelly right into it, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think like anyone will say the context around when the number gets bet, uh, when you're betting, what you're looking at, you know, all that stuff matters.
2: Do you do much forensics in terms of who you're up against in situations like that? Like you do you want to know who's on the other side? Do you and do you have sort of a, a at least a mental model profile of the uh the other players in the major markets you're trying to clean up on?
1: I mean, forensics sounds way more, way more <laughs> yeah, so you made uh, you made that uh, sound really fancy. No, you know I mean, what I mean. Like, yeah, you know. I think it's pretty easy to tell sometimes. Like there's certain players who are if
2: things will just
1: move a little extra than normal or like it will just cascade all at once. And you kind of know, not, maybe not who it is, but you kind of know, like in order to make certain markets light up like that, like they have to be betting a really significant amount of money. Um, so I don't I mean that goes into it. If I told you I had an exact science for exactly how to react to that situation, I don't, I'm just best guess and make a bet and hope it wins and move on to the next thing.
0: I mean, do you ever do you ever adjust or even think about double checking or doing some sanity checks on a number? If you know, let's say there's a group like that. I mean, I, just, I mean, can we just let's just say RAS on a total? They come in and blow up a total, not only because of what they're betting, but who they're releasing it to. Sure, yeah a lot, a lot so, of, yeah. a lot of other people, I can, Dan's reminding me I gotta switch back to my good mic again here, but uh, the you know, let, let's say you disagree with their their move, and the market moves with them. It might be synthetic CLV because of again the money and all the other accounts.
2: I don't on. think you can even argue that. It's no, I definitely.
0: Th- well, but to be fair, some of it is good closing line value. A portion of it. A sure, portion sure, sure, it, sure, sure. A decent chunk sure. is synthetic, but. If a market keeps moving that way and you disagree and disagree i mean do you, do you take a step back and start looking at that or you just bang your head against it and think eventually again treating it like attrition be like eventually i can't sit here and you know look at everybody else's numbers and try to agree with everybody i gotta trust my stuff over a big 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 sample um
1: you know, I have supreme confidence, and I am just the biggest better in the world. So I just bet against every move that goes against me, until I'm out of money. You know, I, like I, mean, this. <laughs> I mean, I think that's you doubt a little bit, like, and you investigate further, like, am I missing some giant piece of information? Um, you know, I I will probably send some. That's against market moves like that, and then maybe a little more, and then at some point I don't know. Have you heard? I I wish I had a more interesting answer. Have
2: you heard some of the interviews from the RAS guys where they talk about being generally info betters? Yeah, I mean, is you are they? Is that? It sounds a little bse to me. That sounds. I mean, I haven't talked to them personally, and I don't know what their process is at all. But surely, back in the day, they were grinding an edge based on information. But that can't seem. That can't. I don't know. I, I I have a tough time but buying that. It's not mostly quantitative with a little info sprinkle.
1: Um, I don't. I could see, a, I honestly could see a bunch of scenarios where a bunch of things are true. They probably do a bunch of everything, okay. um, which is something you can do when you have a staff or a bunch, you know, or a few people. Um, and I, I mean, contextualizing information is really hard and I'm guessing sure. they do that part. Well, like they have the info, but they also know, you know what so and so is worth, or they have a good idea of how much worse the offense is going to be without him, kind of thing, um, and that's what makes them good.
0: Yeah. Well, and you know, I was being facetious when I said do you just bang your head against these other groups constantly, <laughs> but but I mean, it's not out of it's not ridiculous to say that sometimes you're going to, and again, oh, for like, sure. and again, having the information, knowing like. Again, it's not just them. There's other big groups or the other big players. But knowing that there's a big group or a big player that's going to come against something that you're probably on the other side of, like again, like you talk about timing, it's it's fine to know. Like uh, if I think someone's going to move against me here, I could probably wait. Like <laughs> I might I might get a better number if if I think this is going to move against me constantly because, and you know, not in every case, but in some cases where you're still. like like you joke, supremely confident still, you still think you're right. Like the timing is really going to play a big part there.
1: For sure. But I mean, you have to just be wrong enough times to learn that. Like, I don't know. I was, I I hit some trick, like, Oh, a number's moved three points my way. Like got to bet this. And then, you know, it's available two and a half points later when I don't want to bet anymore on it. And you do that (laughs) enough and you kind of get familiar. I mean, I don't know. I yeah, you.
2: But uh, I, I guess is co- college basketball is not small enough limits that you run into the situation where you have a subset of your plays where you are up against other professionals, where you're you're getting a bet size that is 10x your average bet otherwise, right? Because I've heard other people who are professionals complain about this. I've never run into it because I'm betting NBA, NFL, and I'm getting what I want when I want it, and it's not really there's not usually a lot of back and forth <laughs> but um you know if you have 10 plays and you know nine of them the side moves after one click and you're two three points and now the edge is gone but the tenth one someone's on the other side fighting back and you end up with 10x on that side um you know i think it I, at that point you're probably realizing this is my weakest edge and this is, I need, need to run good on that, those subset of, uh, you know, big staked plays is, is that, am I even in, you know, on the right track with that?
1: Yeah. I mean, some of that's true. Some of it is trying to be able to get enough down so that it it's not 10 X it's the one that someone plays back at you. It's like two or three. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I did. betting in small markets, you just kind of got to figure out how to get down. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. Um, Yeah, I mean, definitely the plays where there's more available, you got to run good on. Um, Not a, not, not not I I just don't think not, not a lot there to, to say about it other than, yeah, hope to get lucky on those and try to not bet so much that they like own your whole season, but
2: yeah okay that makes total sense is it uh is it hard to uh or you know is it I guess as you're I would describe you as an originator in general um do you find it relatively straightforward to get down what you are trying to get down at this stage as a professional without having betting partners or uh is that just sort of part of the equation when you become when it becomes a job
1: uh, I think it's all sport specific. I mean, you talked about it. You can, you know, NBA, but even that is like, if you want to bet early numbers, you probably still need some help at some that, amount. That's very true. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I think there's this constant battle of, I would love to move later in the betting cycle and have bigger limits, but then, you know, as a person trying to find edge, you see edges just disappear while you're waiting and it's kind of hard. So. There's this back and forth of trying to bet early, but also, you know, keeping trying to move back in the betting cycle so you can kind of get more and not have to worry about, you know, racing to the to the plays every time, which is frustrating and, you know, isn't, isn't helpful for kind of anyone trying to get down.
2: Yeah. Is there any correlation between the ones that disappear while you're waiting for the limits to go up and those being the easiest and truest edges?
1: Uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's the low, it's the, the low uh, hanging fruit basically. Right. Yeah. I mean, for sure. It's, and I, I think in certain markets, like especially because with, you know, I think there's probably 10 sites now who will make you a price with some signal on every college basketball game. There's not just Ken Palm anymore. Like yeah. there are edges that come from categorizing those numbers that disappeared before, you can really bet if you're trying to bet, you know, more than a few hundred dollars, just because it takes not very hard modeling to do to to find those.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's I mean, it's we talk about this over the years. God, Drew, remember back in the day, like what five years ago, when one summer you sat down and you're like, I think we should track CLV this summer, and then, <laughs> and, then and then we spent like we spent like a month trying to figure out the best way to actually calculate it because ten people gave us ten different answers, but. And then, you know, over the years, we've kind of determined our CLV is a spectrum, uh, whatever theory, if you want to call it that, where it's like, hey, guess what? If it moves in the NFL and, you know, mid to late week, like that matters. And then trying to explain to people like, hey, guess what? You bet, you know, you bet a shitty awards market and it moved like a dollar. That doesn't matter. You might have you might have done that yourself with like a two hundred fifty dollar bet. You know, It's and I think I think like he's saying, college basketball. Those moves in the morning, like after it's it's the day of the game, it's mid morning Eastern time, and there start to be some decent moves. Like uh, as you get towards the afternoon, like that stuff wins. Like you see those, that stuff just wins, and that is annoying. Is like it's not even me just like waiting and being some savvy trader. Sometimes I just get busy, and I have my numbers, and I I don't bet something, and then I go look, I'm like shit, that was the right side huh? Like this one's just not getting bet today, I guess, because somebody else came in and I mean, you can just blow up those markets. I mean, some people, especially totals in college, it's, it's a whole different world compared to like what we do in the fall with NFL waiting for, you know, waiting for a half point move here and there.
1: Yeah. There's always a quote in the back of my mind that, uh, the, uh, at Brett farm 444, who's, uh, He has a tweet from a few years back that was like if if i'm still betting college basketball after i turn 30 somebody kill me (laughs) and sometimes there are days and i'm like i feel like such like a i feel like such like an amateur trying to like just get down on these tiny markets that are flipping everywhere and you know there's a million other people trying to model the same thing but
2: yeah so from a synthesizing information standpoint with college basketball specifically um i f- have kind of come to the pos- opinion at least in the nba and the nfl that player absences are way overstated in the market just as a general rule of thumb unless it's a quarterback in the nfl unless it's like a you know a 40 usage usage guy on a team that has no one else with depth you know like some of these moves particularly on sides are overblown um it- Is that true in college or are the moves that you see because of information in college maybe exactly correct (laughs) because of depth issues and kind of the disparity of talent as you go down a depth chart?
1: Um, I mean, the boring answer is that on the whole, it's probably pretty fair with a slight lean toward too much priced in. I mean, certain ones are weird. Uh, Certain ones are probably very underpriced. Um, Certain ones get way overpriced. Uh, And it's also, I mean, I think especially in like NFL or NBA markets, the sources of information are really public and the information finds its way through the market pretty quickly. Yeah. Whereas here you can kind of like, there are some schools that nobody's reporting on, but you can be pretty sure someone's out if you do a little bit of research but then that news will hit the market like an hour before tip and it'll move like the market had no idea that that player was out when sometimes it was priced in a little bit. If I don't know if that was the clearest way to say that that. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And at the lowest low levels, like basically I, I finally came to like the, I don't know if it wasn't a realization and this might not even be true. This might just be me saying something that I believe that probably isn't even true, but if it has a six-digit rotation number, there's not a player on the roster that matters. <laughs> like, for, to, to the number, to the to the price. Like, if it's if it's an extra game, like one player missing is not enough to move the number. We need we need three or four kids out with the flu. Like, basically, well, like informational stuff a, on that.
1: I would invite you to take a bunch of money and please express that opinion in yeah, the <laughs> I've
0: I've I've just struggled with. I think a lot of it has come from people saying like. Oh man, this guy's out for this side, and we're we're gonna bet this. And then I just I've seen time and time again, just like maybe that matters over a big sample. But man, just uh, you know, I haven't seen empirical evidence that like one player matters on a lot of these teams when it's when it's just at the smallest level. Once you get up to the, I don't know. There's like different levels of the the mid majors. I've started to like stratify it now completely. Like if you get up to the Mac and stuff like that, there's a lot of players that matter. But man, it's it seems like some of this stuff when you get informational things and like the SWAC and the Meak, it just never goes right. And I've I've, <laughs> I've I've started to just look at that and be like, how many players are out? To, how how many minutes does this guy play? And it has to be I mean it has to be well like
2: maybe the answer is it was built in.
0: Yeah, I, I think a lot of the times, like that's what I'm saying. I think there are moves on that stuff, and it's if you get to that okay. final number, that closing number, it's overblown. Yeah. Like to the to the point, maybe maybe I'm saying it wrong. Not that they don't matter, but they don't matter to the point of what what's happening to that market when it closes if that information gets out and gets bad
1: i mean certainly by necessity some of the teams all the way down the spectrum just have a flatter line of talent like, that's a
0: good way to say it.
1: it it just at some point if you're good you wouldn't if you're really good you wouldn't be playing for some of these places now it's not always true but i mean i think on the whole that makes sense
2: hmm. yeah so nba if you're gonna start handicapping nba sides and you're not using a player level model best of luck to you if you're going to start God. handicapping NBA totals and you're not using like a possession level model, best of luck to you. Um, either of those things matter at all in the college game, or can you basically still get it done with the team level uh, projection at this point?
1: Um, I, I honestly don't. I mean, I, I don't think you can do completely team level. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure some people aren't winning, so I don't want to like, I'm not an unbelievable modeler of data, um, and so I'm sure someone who is could probably find a way to take less data and do better. Um, for me, I can't, um, I just need to have some player level context around it, uh, or else I think uh, you'll just back wow. into the wrong edges. Oh, that,
0: that was, I like how you said "cont" because that's exactly what I was going to say is, is it team level plus context? Like it's, a, it's, you know, doing it at the team level and then adding in context secondarily because doing like a hundred percent player level model, like people can do with the NBA, I don't know. That just seems hmm. like, that seems Looney tunes for the amount of teams that play every night in college basketball, unless he had a staff, I guess. That's, that would be an undertaking.
2: Hmm. Are there any public models <laughs> out there
1: that are doing player level projections? I, don't think uh, I, I think I don't some of these sites try, I think there's a few sites that try to, um, but the
2: team level projection they're giving you is a composite or it's a, I think they a... have
1: player level data in there. I mean, it's not, yeah. so I don't think player level data is as difficult to work with as, uh, as you, just because, I mean, there's a findable box score every night, there's a team yeah. roster. And at that point, that's the data you need. And you're definitely working with smaller samples. Um, and you may not get as many, like, uh, you know, there's a lot of advanced statistics in the NBA that are calculated for you, uh, yeah, and given to you nice. <laughs> in, in cleaner, in cleaner data sets, Sure, but the tools are out there to build good player level models. And even to, um, as i kind of do build bad ones, uh, so, I I mean, without, you know, saying, here's what I do and <laughs> and this is how to do it. Yeah, no uh, doubt. no, yeah. no worries. It's, Well, I mean, it's, the it's fact that the props own.
0: exist and the, the fact that there are markets, whether it's at sports books or some of the DFS sites that have player level props for college basketball players now, like all that stuff does exist out there. Again, just they're not, they're not going all the way to the bottom. You know, you're not going to get player level or player props on like. I mean, you know, Miak games again. I keep going shitting on the Miak, even though I love them. But at the same time, like you said, those box scores exist just the same. Like, there's, you go to any of the sites, like the box scores for the Miak aren't any different than the box scores for the SEC. It's gonna tell you the, you know, the same core stuff. Yeah. Hopefully, it's accurate.
2: They have. Do they have like play-by-play data readily available?
1: Um. It's out there. I think you might have to wrangle it for yourself. But there's play-by-play data on pretty much every game.
0: It's not like the NFL where they have a nice depository of that. It exists, but yeah, you'd have to pull it all and clean it up.
2: So you could conceivably do possession-level stuff if you wanted to have decent numbers for college totals then. Uh, Yeah. That's interesting. I kind Um, of
1: have found the more I, sorry to interrupt you, but the, oh, no, the no. more, I mean, the deeper you get into betting stuff, somebody out there is probably already doing the thing that you're surprised can be done. At least that's what I've found. <laughs> it was like, when I started betting, I was like, oh, this is not that hard. I'm probably doing like, I'm winning and I'm doing all this stuff. And then it's like, yeah, somebody else has been doing that. And the more advanced you get, it turns out somebody else could also do the more advanced thing. So maybe not true sense. in this case, but it sounds true.
0: There, no. no, there's always someone doing it better than you. Like that's the case in every industry in the world. I think somebody's somebody's also, I mean, just look at oh, God, this is weird. This popped in my head, but like uh, cyclists, like they're always two steps ahead of the people who are putting together testing, like the the blood doping, like the people that come up with that are two steps ahead of everyone else. There's always someone doing it better. It'd be interesting. Yeah. God, no, my brain's gonna be stuck in this player level thing now for a while.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I you know, I think if even if you are doing it the best of anyone in the industry, someone's trying to replicate what you're doing, and in that process is going to find something potentially valuable. Um, the my favorite example, at least, and I'm sure there's a million people who've heard this story before, so it's not even really that. Yeah, uh, useful telling it, but um, you know, somebody figured out at one point long after like they, you know, came up with player level models for baseball totals that like, hey, we need to incorporate the humidity, <laughs> right? And like if you're the first person that figures that out because you're trying to grind like a player level total and you're like, I don't understand why this isn't working in these games in this time of year in these cities, like what is happening? And then you're like, oh my God, it's because of the weather. Um, and you're the first person that figures that out, then, you know, you leapfrog the next, you know, the guy who was the, you know, end boss originator of totals. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, I, that, that the process of all of this is fascinating to me and, and continuing to, uh, upgrade your, you know, your own, you know, way of doing things makes total sense. I, you know, do you, are you, do you feel like you have a, uh, an iterative growth to the way you come up with fairs, uh, in college basketball?
1: uh i'll say yes with a caveat and that i think for me the toughest thing is always like grinding versus improving and that they're kind of at odds with each other all the time like daily betting edges and watching markets and getting feedback on your bets and all this stuff is like a day-to-day process and sometimes while you're doing that it's difficult to just put it all down and be like okay i need to sit there and work with you know, whatever some scripts today, and just make some stuff better, and do a little investigation into some scenario. That's you know, why when I bet this team, I never get CLV, or with why this team always closes a certain way, or stuff like that. Uh, and I think it's tough to balance that. Um, so I try, but I probably lean toward a little too much toward betting and grinding out edge, and you know, trying to to revenue positive.
0: Yeah, there's always question. Like everything you do, like you talk about, I why am I not getting CLV on this side or this team or, you know, a team that I'm constantly taking overs with. And, and then you develop questions and then that question takes a bunch of time to answer and you have to balance your, especially, you know, you doing this professionally, you have to balance your, not only the time spent grinding, getting down, betting, taking care of everything day to day, but also a life outside of that. You know, how much time do you want to take out of, you know, your personal life to try to solve this extra problem? Because you have no idea what the the end, you know, the return on the investment will be of you, you could spend 40 hours on a problem and find out like you didn't learn anything. You haven't improved anything like that's the it's got to be the annoying part about trying to solve some of those problems. And at two you talk about Drew, like the, the again back to the somebody else doing it better. It's like the whole you don't know what you don't know, like just there's probably people who have a pretty good idea based on what kind of influence they can have, especially once you get towards the top But you, you know, there's a lot of people that just, you don't know where you're at on that ladder. Like you're, oh, you, sure, you, you sure, have sure, no sure. idea. It's like whatever, five years ago when I, I started tinkering with this and I'm like, holy shit, I was beating, like I was beating, you know, like I was waiting for bet online to open at like 3 PM the day before and betting those numbers like the absolute stone cold nuts, softest online numbers. And I was winning against that. And I'm like, you know, I thought Billy Walters and Jesus Christ just had a baby and it was me. I'm like, look at this. I was like tracking, you know, tracking my CLV on that stuff. And I'm like, I'm averaging like 10% across the board or something stupid. And, and then you find out like, oh, like people hate people like me because I'm, I'm just fucking up early numbers and messing with stuff and at, at low limits. And um, yeah, there's a word for that too that we won't even put in the air, but <laughs> it's, yeah it's a whole you don't know you know you don't know a thing i think that continues but it got to be oh, at a sure. certain point at a certain point you you do know because you you are having an influence on a major market at a high enough level you have to realize like i'm in a certain percentile here
2: and yeah it's this of- very 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 small number of people that are get to that ever and as far as i can tell you um the um do you think that the general kind of explosion of public models that are out there for college basketball has influenced the way the market matures and have does that kind of unlocked any kind of cool new edges like holy crap when these guys post their numbers or when you know somebody's betting you know multi-clicking this public model's numbers and i know they're wrong on this conference or something like that like have, have you has that been a positive or a net negative that there's more public uh, people that are putting out numbers
1: um it's a good question i don't honestly know um my instinct is to say it's not good when someone else does public analytical work that is for free to everyone um and especially like i think in this space particularly like the people doing this stuff are really good like we spend a lot of time in betting markets talking about like oh like this is where ken Palm is wrong versus the market but he is really really good um so i to be honest i don't i don't know whether it's good or bad i know that there's definitely certain sites that have like strong liens that probably shape the market a little. Um, and it's one of those things we talked about where like, if your internal numbers are different, like you just know that you're going to show edges there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have a a very a super informed answer on whether it's good or bad. I, I just, I know it's something you have to deal with and you kind of have to shoot for, you know, things they're maybe not picking up or, you know, looking at kind of, like micro subsets of the data instead of kind of doing it at a macro scale.
2: Yeah. Like I'm imagining like being a golf originator and you're always kind of wondering why the market's moving the way it's moving. And there's a lot of players, you're not sure who's behind it, blah, blah, blah. And then data golf comes around and like, okay, now you have sort of an answer key as to why a lot of the market is shaping the way it is. And you have an answer key as far as like, oh, I, you know, I know where I'm different than them. And so I know, uh, you know, once I'll have opportunities to do this, this and this, because this is going to move too much and this is going to move too much. You know, so I imagine that was in like a net positive, even though, you know, ultimately it uh, it may seem like, you know, oh my secret of how he was using strokes gained and no one else was is now no longer a secret.
0: Well, and that, that's where I was, I was almost thinking you might say it's a net positive. I was, I wasn't surprised at your answer. I was, I was thinking about a reason why you would say it'd be a positive. And I, it went to the golf thing too, because I know there's, you know, there's golf originators who have better numbers than data golf. And they know that like the influence or a public, again, a public facing model can have on a market like golf and they know that you know if they're better if they're better over a long term than than the data golf numbers it's just it's not like drew says the answer key but you can really tell which way the market's going to be shaped based on their stuff and it's just another tool i suppose mm-hmm. to use. helps
2: you with your timing and, and your market entry gives yeah, you a better yeah better opportunity yeah
1: I will say what it probably does is it probably raises the bar for what it takes to be, if you're just starting out and saying, I want to bet on this thing and I'm going to use some data and model it where you have to get to, to then be profitable and churn money is probably higher, okay. especially cause I think, and I mean, I will ask you guys after, if you agree, but when you like, when you start doing this, if you are winning small, it kind of builds on itself. You allow yourself to learn while not losing too much money. And with data golf out there now, I think a lot of those edges where you can win a little while learning how to win a lot are probably gone. Um, So, I mean, I don't know. It it seems like it's probably easier if you're already established to, to kind of hone up some edges, but if you're just starting, it seems really difficult to climb the mountain. That I mean
0: that meshes perfectly, I think, with like the example I just gave. Like the guys who are actual professional golf originators, they're they're okay with it because they can use it as a tool, whereas somebody who is really low on the rung doesn't really have their own, you know, their own pricing, their own projections. Not scraping their own data. They're just if they're using anything public-facing from a few of the places that put out golf data, or even just grabbing it from like the PGA site. You know, it just that was already going to be an uphill battle to beat a market, and now it's just increased tenfold for the people at the very beginning of the race. Yeah. So, like, it just raises the barrier to entry, I think, for anybody, and and it, it, it creates like you say if you can slowly build upon that first stuff and not lose much or make a little, it, it, you learn so much. And then at the point where you've learned a bunch, you haven't quit yet. Whereas a lot of those people, yeah. they're going to quit like that. I'm, I'm just getting the shit kicked out of me. This is no fun. Why would I model golf? Why would there's I model
2: a, there's golf? a, there's a hidden negative liquidity churn <laughs> where there's yeah. fewer people putting money
1: in the pool. Well, I kind of quit trying to bet. I, I tried to bet golf a little and kind of quit. So I, I know the struggle well. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I don't play.
2: Pretend we're we're on to really Punta Cana. We're dead. <laughs> batch, batch, play is, batch play is just dead to me.
0: God, like, think <laughs> like, it's true. Can you imagine, like, if they just one week of the NFL season a year, they just switched to the Canadian rules, and we it's and then crazy. we just and then we just said, yeah. hey, let's bet this anyway. Let's, yeah, you know, let, let's throw money at this like it's normal golf or yeah. normal football. Like th- throwing match play in here is annoying to me. Yeah, I, I, I
2: still I, watch the. I won't. The shit I, won't, out of it, I won't stand for match play. So don't, I will you're, not. You're preaching to the converted. Dude. Um. Okay. The uh. Uh. Generally, kind of curious if you think um. That, as you kind of put, you know, as as you're you know as you consume college basketball watching it and betting it it may be tough to divorce like oh I, you know like i'm getting better at this overall versus like you're seeing uh, trends change you know the game itself change as um you know the you know macro trends in basketball change i mean nba is a is might as well be a different sport than the one i grew up watching like it's it, it, there's zero percent chance that if you had put me in a, you know, that put anyone who was a, uh, you know, originator and world beater in the NBA markets in the early 2000s, drop them out of a coma and put them in today's market that they're going to understand what's going on and be able to win. Um, Have you noticed that there are sort of large scale changes in college basketball that, um, you know, just in general, the game has evolved or is evolving as, you know, kind of the way that, basketball is played even down to the youth level continues to change?
1: Um, There's definitely changes. Uh, They're slower. Um, And I think, I do think a lot of the better teams are the the good teams who have the talent to do are gravitating toward what we'd call modern basketball. Um, Whereas there's, to me, it seems there's sort of like this stylistic split where the teams that are less endowed with talent, kind of almost go the other way is it's like, well, we are going to slow it down and limit possessions because there's no chance we win if we play fast or they are, you know, some teams are kind of embracing getting mid range shots because those shots are being given a little more freely. Um, But I think on the whole, I mean, the same trends are present in the sport everywhere. Like a lot more teams are shooting more threes and, playing with a little more tempo and doing, you know, doing more modern basketball type things.
0: Yeah. I don't know if there's Hmm. been a a seismic shift. I'm trying to think if I'm just missing something massive, but like the, the shift in the NBA, you know, the, whatever you want to call it where mid range jumpers just disappeared. Everything's in the paint or behind the arc. Like, like you say, it's, it's starting, but you, that's a good way to put it. Like you have to have talent to do it. You know, like Penn, Penn, isn't going to run golden state's offense and the Ivy league is still the Ivy league and whatever. There's some, I I shouldn't shit on the Ivy league. There's some good players down there. I liked, uh, I liked the this year. They're fun, but it's still like, you'd see that slow plotting basketball where uh, that's interesting though. The part where it goes so far one way that mid range jumpers are available. Because yeah. as, a, as a defense, we are inviting them. Like, I, that's that's the lowest EV shot to take. Like, I'm going to invite you to take that, and then teams are just going to start taking it. That's...
2: That, I would argue almost that uh, that same evolution happened in the NBA also. Um, if you look across the teams that I would qualify as realistic contenders this year, there are at least five different, like, true different styles of play. And I think general managers, maybe, or coaches have gotten better at like understanding their own talent, strengths and weaknesses and shaping their style to suit that. And, you know, I mean, it, 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 it makes for a very entertaining product, honestly. Like, you know, you would have thought, well, if everybody is kind of going the, the uh, you know, the same direction um you know maybe if we try something different we'll find an edge i i do think that's happening broadly across the nba right now um it's interesting that it's happening in college basketball too i guess
1: there's money in winning everyone's trying to win
2: yeah um speaking of more teams but speaking
0: i mean you're right about the nba it's not just like homogenized we only we shoot 63s a night like in yeah, smart no, coach, smart coaches
2: played to strengths, everybody's trying to do it a little differently and you can group certain styles of play and find a lottery team as well as a contender, uh, depending on, um, you know, just their, their ultimate talent and experience. Um, and just
1: recently, it's been more kind of geared toward optimizing for personnel I, and less oh, yeah. for a team in a way than, an, than it has in the past. Cause that's sort of my impression
2: without, without a question, without question. Um,
1: that was like our Lamar
0: Jackson thing. Like, we kept saying that. What, like, I can't remember how many teams you said. Like, how many teams would have just ruined his career? <laughs> like, just sure. not not built an offense around him. Like, uh, coaching staff or management or whoever was it making the decisions there. Like, and, you know, the Ravens sucked last year with the injuries. But the kid got an MVP and probably would have been maybe not even starting on a lot of teams who would have just not oh my god
2: we haven't well, developed a new her enough so yes there that.
0: are so many yeah. so many management and coaching staffs that try to force these square pegs into round holes because that's the way they want to do things rather than what's my best asking what's my best path to victory with the pieces I've been given here and making that happen like those are that's the smart team that's analytics like analytics is not just picking you know picking the numbers apart and deciding what the best place are like Absolutely, taking your t- taking your pieces and making the best path to victory.
2: Yeah, no, I I would agree with that. Um, but speaking of uh, winning and money, um, we are on the eve of like Sweet it. Sixteen. Uh, <sighs> Sweet Sixteen is pretty entertaining. Uh, a lot of teams that uh, I know you have interest in, uh, particularly through the Bet Process of Calcutta. Um, anything that you yes. look across the board right now and you think uh, is especially mispriced or any any uh, any action you have in play that you're fired up about for uh, Thursday and Friday's action?
1: Um, well, I mean, I think the nice part about the Calcuttas is that I have a rooting interest in just the team winning. Um, and I don't always have to, you know, I don't have to have an edge on the number just to, to have a stake in it. So you almost um,
2: exclusively play sides and totals. You're not into money lines at all.
1: Um, I mean, I could be, to be honest, but I, I just, I don't really price them up. Um, huh. and I probably should, I'm live hearing my, the leaks in my game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're, sitting, we're sitting here ruining his psyche. Bro. <laughs> no, no, um, no,
2: no, no. It's, uh, and I, you, you, so I guess in general, your sides and totals pregame yeah. second half.
1: Yeah. I'm um, adding yeah, sides and totals second half too. Okay. Um, I thought stuff was pretty tight for the Sweet 16. Numbers are pretty good. Um, I, I mean, I think Purdue's a little low. I bet Purdue. Um,
2: oh no! I know. <laughs> no respect um, for the St. Peter's Peacocks. What is going I on know, here? I you're, know. you're, are um, uh, you are a proud peacock uh, in the Calcutta, and you're going against yes. your boys.
0: What is is it, it 12 and a half now?
1: Uh, yeah, I think I got mostly 12.
2: 12 and a half is light, huh? Really? I mean, they, uh, they I mean, won a not, couple games too,
1: light. it's a little light. There's not a lot of big edges out there. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know, they're, they're a very, very good defense, like a power six level talented defense, but they're a horrific offense who's played really good for two <laughs> games, and They're eventually going to have a game like they probably had all year where they, you know, high fifties, low sixties and are just struggling to get shots to go down.
2: Okay. So now the, the kind of team level makeup of Purdue is awfully similar to Kentucky. Like, same sort of strengths and weaknesses. Same sort of, oh, if things are going wrong, they have, they struggle to create turnover. In fact, Purdue might be like one of the worst teams in the entire 68 in terms of defensive turnover yeah. percentage. Um, no turnovers,
1: yeah. horrible ball screen defense.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't, I didn't know that. I just am looking at their. You know, their their T bomb page, um, yeah, really <laughs> but the uh, yeah that that seemed to be kind of a key to St. Peter's keeping their nose ahead of Kentucky in that matchup. Um, yeah, that's uh, interesting kind of that you're like, seeing yeah. value on uh, on Purdue.
0: Throw throw it yeah. overtime like St. Peter's getting to 70 points in regulation two games in a row is <laughs> is just something. Like if you go, huh. if, if you they were saving play- it. Yeah, they were just saving it all year. I think, yeah, I think the, God, I think the Mac final, Mac, I say Mac, I mean it with two A's, but I'm not making that cheap sound. Mac, Mac, the Metro Atlanta, like even the the final, I think they scored like 60 points. I'm pretty sure they blew someone out early. They were, I was scared to bet them to win it. I, I looked at them, I'm like, fuck, this team's a pain in the ass for everyone to play. But they're just going to go out there and score like 52 points against somebody, and like Iona probably, and then Iona just out early, never happened. And defense got, wins so championship, it's fun, guess. It's a fun um, team.
2: <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm still holding out hope. Although you've thrown a little bit of cold water, uh, the people I mean, are going to get there. I, very, I, I think very, there's, very yeah, their stinker, their stinker is coming against North Carolina probably. Uh, <laughs> unless you think North Carolina doesn't get there, is North Carolina going to get by uh, UCLA?
1: Um, I, pull up my shit. I think so. I think Hawkins is gonna play. I was looking, trying to find. Uh, the latest I heard is he is Yeah, I just imagine he'll figure out a way to play. Uh, UCLA is a super weird team. Um, we kind of talked about the way basketball is changing, and they take a ton of mid-range jump shots and a ton of weird shot selection, but they're good at it. Um, and they are a very good defense without like a mega shot blocker, which is sometimes a little weird, uh, in college, they're just very positionally sound. Um, I loved North Carolina at the beginning of the year. I thought they'd be a lot better I lost money expressing that opinion. Um, (laughs) they, they certainly have like, they've got a lot of talent and they've got like a kind of a variety of pieces, um. But I think the numbers are pretty good there and it should just be a you know, good game. Oh, okay. I have it I have it three and a half. Oh. I
0: think I think he's right on the UCLA. Like UCLA should be able to defend outside well enough to but again with some player uncertainty here, there's no fun betting that one. No, I don't have any I don't anything. have anything to bet the next two days. I just looked at it right now. Everything's like super close unless you think I mean there's probably a wide distribution on that purdue game where there's a bunch of games where purdue wins by like 25 points
2: okay well if it's purdue ucla i have no no skin in that so i don't (laughs) really care about that region how about uh gonzaga anything about their performances giving you pause that they're gonna ultimately get out of the west or do the razorbacks have the
1: makeup (laughs) to truly challenge them it's kind of a shame because my uh my like Three of my biggest kind of longs versus the uh, the market were uh, Memphis, Arkansas, and Gonzaga, and they were all right there. Oh, shit. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, I think that, like, the basic, basic percent of Memphis, like, I think everyone knew they were underrated. I don't know if people knew how underrated they were. I... All of their bad all of their kind of bad this season was in a stretch where none of their good players were playing a couple of their NBA guys were out like when they're healthy, they're incredibly good. Um, I had them pretty underrated and, you know, it just tough that they ran into Gonzaga. Um, Gonzaga is really good. Uh, they, I mean, I, I don't, I don't have a lot to say about Gonzaga. The prize has been said over the last couple of years, they're really good. Um, Timmy's amazing. Uh, I was watching that Memphis game, and he kind of brought them back by himself, which was pretty entertaining. Um, And Arkansas, I mean, Arkansas's gotten a lot better, too, and they're kind of an interesting one totals-wise because I have that number pretty fair, but I think there's a lot of ways I could be wrong there because they've won some games in some very different styles where they've played some pretty up-tempo offense, but they've gotten a lot better as they've clamped down defensively late in the year and that's what's caused them to probably I mean they probably jumped like 30 spots nationally between the two weeks or three weeks into the end of the year and now uh just because their defense has gotten really good so
2: and that's really yeah, like, I, mean, I like to hear that. Signal not yeah. noise. Okay.
1: Yeah I said that this morning <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd
0: be very good I'd bet that under.
2: Okay. I have that, um, I have that
0: one pretty close too but like you like the Memphis thing did fucking suck. Like even if even if you didn't have a money rooting interest with financials on Memphis, like that team beats every other team in the tournament with the effort they put out that day. Like nobody, you don't beat that team without like a second half Timmy. Like what he did was just stupid. And I mean, Gonzaga, it sucks to be up against a team like that who can just pull something out like that. He was nuts. And I I don't even fully understand if he's like, you know, next level good.
1: Yeah. Well, the not... big thing with him is that he has struggled on defense for a couple of years. He's gotten better, but I mean Baylor exposed him last year in that title game as you know, when he gets switched on to guards, that's just not his skill set. But what helps them this year, I mean, is that Holmgren's just an eraser at the rim. So they've kind of turned in some some good defensive efforts and halves to win games as well.
0: Imagine imagine if he hit the weight room.
2: Let's assume uh Gonzaga, let's assume the number is fair. Gonzaga wins. Uh you know, and uh, moves on. What is, uh, and you know, let's flip a coin and give it to Texas Tech. What kind of number are you going to see in the West Regional Final? Under ten on the
1: spot here. Let me, uh, let me give Presumably me give me 10. thirty. It'll definitely be under ten. Um, <laughs> okay, I can four, four and a half. What? No, it'll be a little high. Nah, oh. I think it, it's. I just like Texas. Oh, okay,
2: he's like six. Um, okay. All right.
1: I know. So they they played already this year, um, and I think.
2: Oh, that's right. They did.
1: Yeah. Uh, that everybody early in the season somehow. Yeah, they. I mean, they they dominated.
2: They that played game. Duke too. Uh, they played both of these teams that we would potentially yeah. face.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I think that number's probably that would be interesting schematically. Not that I'm like a huge X's and O's knowledge guy, but. Uh, Texas Tech plays this like weird defense that nobody can solve where they basically don't allow you uh, to get the ball into the middle uh, to get shots at the rim or kick out to shooters or anything. Um, And you kind of have to, they basically make you beat them by like throwing skip passes and leaving guys one pass away, like way more open than teams normally do. Um, So it's kind of a defense that in theory should do really well against Gonzaga's offense, which is all about, Either getting it to Timmy in, in the kind of high post or running some pick and roll where Nemhard kind of probes in and finds open shooters. So cool. Kind of an cool. interesting matchup there.
0: That'll be, yeah. Like I, I just, I do hope those teams advance mostly because I won't bet either of those games. I, I just hope, to, I just want to see that matchup because like that, that'll be a really weird one stylistically with that defense. Um, I'm still mad at Rutgers from last year. That was a nice future price, I thought. Sit there and watch them win every game all year. And then, I don't know. They we, I think we just, I, in my heart, I knew they'd be gassed for that game. And I didn't buy out of it anyway. And then mm-hmm. I just uh, watch them get bodied by Baylor. And yeah, like, I, I'm having PTSD with you bringing up Timmy getting exposed. I forgot how bad that was for, like, the entirety of the game. Yeah. <sighs> that Baylor, Baylor team was good.
2: Yeah, it would be a, yeah. sure be a shame if Pretty that incredible. happened against another Big 12 team this year. Um, <laughs> as you look at the uh, the Zona Regional, uh, and that specifically that Zona Houston game, it feels like... Yeah, that's the fun one. one. That's the fun one. And it feels like that's your your de facto winners going to the Final Four. Maybe I'm crazy, but um, don't love Michigan or Villanova ultimately getting... Ahead getting past either of these two teams. Um, and as I look at kind of the statistical profile for these two, one thing pretty clearly stands out, and that is that Houston sends a lot of men to the free throw line. And is this game come down to something as stupid as it depends how it's called? If they let them play, Houston's got them. If they call it tight, Arizona's gonna be able to. Get it done at the charity strike
1: uh i mean I, i'm sure it definitely you know it should be a close game it has has an effect it's kind of houston has this the other in a purely betting markets focused kind of way houston is like the darling of the analytical community um and even as betting markets kind of follow uh a lot of those projections um I still think it's, you know, they they're still leaning a little bit away from how uh how how much some of those sites love Houston. And uh, I would kind of agree with them. Um not do, enough of an edge to bet. Yeah, I think sort of, sort do Arizona. the sites
2: love Houston because they're including data when they had a fully healthy squad?
1: They haven't been that much worse without Yeah, the somehow. the team
0: is what they did to Memphis in the final there in the in the conference tournament with you know the squad that they're putting out there right now, it's it's not like I think people were more scared of them taking a step back and downgrading them. And I'm not sure if, I mean, if we're just talking, I feel like we're talking about Torvik cause he has them a lot higher than a lot of places. Like, I don't think he gave them much of a downgrade, but I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if he's making that, especially in like the barthag thing he's using, I'm not sure he's downgrading a team until they actually perform badly.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think part of it also is that, um, They have these like outlandish offensive rebounding numbers that potentially shouldn't be repeatable, but keep being repeatable. (laughs) Um, And I think there's this like, there's this narrative of like, well, they can keep being repeatable when you, you know, play teams that are not quite as good. Their schedule is kind of weak this year. I don't really subscribe to that because they've done it for like three years. Um, Mm. But they have, not played a, a, a super great schedule and they did lose twice to Memphis, who is a team that could actually rebound with them. Uh, Arizona can obviously do that. They're huge. And Coloco is really, really good. Um, but that, I mean, that seems to be the the thing there. If Houston offensive rebounds, they are going to have an upper hand in Arizona. Sometimes, uh, and they definitely didn't rebound well against TCU because they're always trying to get up the floor so fast, get in transition, push the ball. Um,
0: funny you you brought up the you know the refereeing or whatnot the how many times somebody's getting into the charity stripe and it's funny a lot of times like during the brown bag bets drew people pull up ken pom talk teams with me and someone brought up a funny my my favorite column in if you just look at a team's ken pom is free throw percentage defense yeah like the, the free throw because they made the joke like this team for the year the, the opponents were making like 65% of their free throws. They said, well, don't forget their amazing free throw defense. <laughs> and I, I sat and thought about that yeah. all day. And I'm like, God, if a team, would a team play a little differently on defense if they were continually, if their entire conference outside of maybe, maybe they shoot okay, but if a big chunk of the conference shot poorly from the free throw line consistently, like, would they play defense completely differently? And then that could be like a a problem once they get out of conference play if they did move on to I mean any of these shit tournaments even not the big tournament so like you know we joked about free throw defense but it kind of had my brain in the pretzel for a day and I don't it's one of those things too where I don't think I actually went and learned anything but it just bothered me for a long time when you start talking about shit like that and I think there's so much variability in free throw stuff that I haven't uh fully gotten to the bottom of any of that that wasn't even a question that was just me explaining something that hurt my head yesterday
2: free throw defense does not seem forward predictive if no. that's what you're asking no, no. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, w- I will sit i will sit significantly divorced from uh from forward uh for purposes um the uh okay so i guess tough to call tough to call who comes out of that conference we, there's no you don't have any skin in the game in the calcutta there right
1: uh no but i mean i think i do like three or four of these every uh every march so i kind of have skin everywhere
2: (laughs) (laughs) okay the um the main question then the midwest um yeah you're a chicago guy you going to watch your jayhawks
1: i will be in the building
2: all right excellent very cool have you been to these before
1: uh not this late in the in the tournament. I've been to I think an opening round once.
2: Opening round. Okay. But not sweet but, sixteen. going uh, gonna go to the elite eight as well?
1: Uh I don't know. I don't think I have plans to, but we'll see. Okay. Okay. Depends on how you know our Jayhawks would have to win. But.
2: yeah, you're gonna follow the Jayhawks to uh New Orleans. So <laughs> watch not. them watch them cut down the nets?
1: Follow the river. Probably not. That would be fun.
2: I bet, oh, I bet you it would this be like trouble. <laughs> <laughs> i bet you would be uh you're, you're gonna be too busy at bet bash i guess i will not be at that bash
0: <laughs> you didn't you didn't do one of those commercials that's, i did find out true the women's yeah. final four is in minneapolis Ooh. i think i think i could have tickets pretty cheap for something like that
2: well that's been game there man
0: especially if it's a second day like they, you always hear about people doing like Final Four. You go buy, you go buy tickets off the people who are fans of the team that lost in the semifinals, yeah. and get some decent deals. But I think I could just buy the whole strip for the women's Final Four. Yeah,
2: do go uh, say, say uh, courtside? It'd be, I'd be pretty fun. Yeah, Andrew, I, it may be competitive for you know. Maybe I, it'll be good basketball. Um, like it's so no, sure heavy in women's basketball, but maybe yeah, Once you get, get to the finals, tickets. like it's usually um,
0: a pretty good game. Yeah. But man, some of these early round games for the women's stuff is it's pretty rough watching some of those teams get beat
2: like by hundred. Yeah. Howard scored four points in the Howard, first half. Yeah, yeah. That was tough. Um, You originate any women's CBB, Andrew?
1: <laughs> I do not. I don't think about, there is a uh, WNBA. I do the WNBA. Yeah.
2: But not women's CBB, huh?
1: Hmm. Uh, there's, a, there. there's a decent liquidity gap there. Yeah. On uh, what? I mean, w- the WNBA, WNBA is liquid enough that you can bet uh women's college is probably it's the one time I looked pretty hard to get down on um
2: I think uh most paperhead limits for women's CBB for the tournament at least are 250 500 I've seen some multiple thousands um and somebody out there is absolutely originating the shit out of that
0: yeah Uh, I just think during during the regular season though
2: like yeah, it's just
0: probably it, it's just not even listed outside of some games. Like it, it's not like uh, you know the men's where they're going to list every fucking last game, all the way down to the extras. You know, the women's it's just super hard to find outside of the the regular season because we know some people who bet it, but they're much more active this time of year when a bunch of places start opening up tournament prices.
2: Yeah, I didn't see any lines for the women's nit, which was unfortunate. <laughs> 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 um the uh no I think uh no there's uh there's a market there at least for the tournament time. Uh yeah. not don't don't go blow it up or anything, but <laughs> it's out there. Uh and there's liquidity. Um okay, interesting. You're gonna bet any NBA uh regular season? Playoffs?
1: Um, I mean, I bet the stuff that I would not call originator, but like some advantage player kind of stuff, like if you can yeah. beat the market to some player news or you know stuff like that. Um, nothing too complex. Uh, cool.
2: Do you catch? So you're you,
1: you can you can you're you're safe. You can keep uh, you can keep printing <laughs> money over there betting the NBA.
2: Do you catch any uh, uh, just like good advantage stuff in other small markets beyond what you originate? Being yeah and yeah. Do you like with with betting partnerships and stuff?
1: Uh, I mean stuff here and there. Um, yeah. I mean, I assume most like it's not a large community of people yeah. who do yeah. this, so you end up like, kind of knowing people.
2: Any, yeah, did you see any good Oscar, any hot stuff in the Oscars? Or, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I don't think so.
1: Oh,
2: okay, I, okay. I gotta
1: Andy. Andy I gotta, you gotta, see any
2: hot Oscar stuff
0: come through? We should talk to some people. I'm sure there's some people out there that are all of a sudden accounts they're using are starting to find Oscar props in them from other people, and that's uh. It's such a, I don't know, we're, we're, we're years past your ghost, but that's such a dumb market to begin with. The fact that there like is a bunch of liquidity the week of,
2: I know it's at crazy. a lot of places I, yeah,
0: is, is a, it's kind of dumb, honestly.
2: Yeah. I mean, who would have believed there would be as much liquidity as it was for the Olympics and judo and, you know, absolute random, random shit. So it's, it that's is, fair. uh, you know, it's weird. It's wild. Uh, And uh, it seems like it's growing. I guess, do you get the sense that overall um, the space is improving for someone in your position?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think so. Um, To be honest, I would love it if I didn't have to deal with pay for head stuff like ever again. (laughs) Um, And I think we're still a ways away from that. Um, Yeah. But I do, I mean, I think most people, some people, obviously their whole business is kind of doing it like that, but I would love it if, yeah, I would love it if I just didn't have to deal with kind of the, the annoyance that all that brings and I could, you know, kind of just bet what I wanted to and know what the limits are going to be at places. And, but you know, I get why that's an unreasonable ask a little bit.
2: If they had a, uh, uh, Chicago, um, mercantile betting exchange and asked you to be the market maker for CBB? Are you turning them
1: down? I mean, I'd I'd love to. I'd probably get picked off and and lose some money, but I think I'd figure it out eventually.
2: (laughs) I love it, man. Um, Do you think that in general, it would have to be if that were a real thing, it would have to be siloed to where you were just the Big Ten guy and they had somebody else doing the ACC and somebody else doing the Big Easter?
1: No, I don't think so.
2: Okay. You should ask, you know, your your prayer, player prop thing,
0: Drew. The hire a sharp guy to do player props and then you know Spanky kind of shot that down hard, which
2: you did I not agree I, with that. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I think I think we were kind of there, but we just said maybe. I think we we're more hopeful, but yeah, I, I think I think that's why that stuff just always can be lower limits because it doesn't matter if you hired the best person in the world you raised limits on player prop stuff the the speed at which people would pass that person would accelerate like the uh, the liquidity increasing in a market with high variance like that all of a sudden would just draw sharks to the water and they would get smarter really fast so I, I think that's like the the whole drew had a thing on a, a couple podcasts ago about hiring the best player prop betters in the world and having them know run the other side of it hey you get plus 110 now and i think it we kind of ended up on that where those people still would probably get the shit beat out of them by the market
1: yeah I, i do think though i mean if you look at financial markets which sports betting is in some form the amount of like surface p and the amount of products and the amount of niche stuff that gets covered for huge liquidity I mean, it exists and someone is signing up and making hand over fist as a market maker. So it might take a while, but like that eventually I think has to exist. There's too much money in being good at market making and letting people bet and making markets that I think it eventually has to happen. Right.
2: I could not agree with that more personally, but it may be 20 years away. Who the hell knows? Yeah. Um, Interesting. Um, Okay. Well, uh, is that the one thing you would change if you could change anything about the uh, current space, get you a betting exchange and a, and a chair at the table? I mean,
1: I don't know if I have like a one thing, but a, a an, an exchange would be great. Um, like a, you know, open, an open flow of, uh, of betting like that would be, would be right. nice.
2: Right on. Um, do you that still originate? like
0: the 20 year thing, Drew, like the, the wire act and the fact that there's like 25 states that aren't legal yet. Like there's so many barriers to that, but one day, one day there'll be a 49 state, uh, you know, exchange and, and just, Utah will, you'll Utah have to will, leave Utah if you want. To Utah in, will just be still it? doing yeah. it. Yeah. They'll still be doing um, their own thing.
2: Okay. Real quick about the Calcutta. When you set it up, when you, when you went in to, to participate this year, uh did you have a strategy about sort of how you were going to um approach team acquisition or play the other players and which is Uh, more important
1: (laughs) i mean i i I, you know i don't want the answers to be so boring sometimes but it's pretty much you do your best to come up with what percent of the pot every team's gonna go for and you you know kind of bid up till there um i I had an idea of which teams I was probably higher on than the other participants, just because I think everyone's pulling from the same public data sources there, um, to come up with what the fair price should be, uh, and in betting, you know, kind of against those public sources or, uh, or in line with them all year, I kind of knew where I might have some edge and might have some teams that I could buy, uh, and. I've so far, you know, run pretty good on those teams where I had a little higher than Ken Palmer, Bartor, Victor, or any of those.
0: Yeah, you kind of just have to flow with it because they're. you don't know what the other, uh, there's a bunch of blank bingo cards that everyone else is looking at and they could be, you know, having the same opinion about a team as you, <clears throat> but once you... You know, once you set your number, and everybody does things differently. Once you set your price and say, like, I might be higher than everyone else using the public-facing shit, but if somebody else in the in the bidding is too, then say Levis, they might just yeah. they might just get it because there's a the price that it's worth. You know, we a price that and it's worth letting it go
2: at. We learned one time that somebody was in there with no numbers. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I'm kind of in favor of. I mean, while that Calcutta's fun. Uh, I'm kind of in favor of the ones where some of the rewards are like weird stuff or stuff that you can't just go say like Gonzaga has got a 50% chance to make the elite day. Like this number, it could be 48 and it could be 52, but like this number is pretty set in stone. Um, oh, yeah. Cause I think that causes like on that stream, I think we said the implied pot stayed pretty steady the whole time and nobody really had it moving much. But if you have something weird in there, and somebody overbids for that, then it changes everyone else's projection of what the pot's gonna be. And it kind of gets some some weirdness and some room to operate instead of somebody has the 72 and somebody has a 76 and it goes for 75 for some saying.
0: And that's what, you have to make the weird stuff. You almost have to over not overpay, uh, over overpay on the back end. Like it has to be a bigger price than it should be. Otherwise, if it's just like, Hey, we're going to give away a quarter percent of the Calcutta for the team that shoots the most free throws, you know, there's not going to be a big change in how teams are valued in everyone's numbers. But you know, if, if that, you make that a stupid, you make that 5% of the pot for the team to make the most free throws. All of a sudden some teams are going to get weird. Like there, there is a decent chance that you might make some big adjustments on a team. You have to, you know, value a team how late they can go and how often they're going to get to the line and, yeah, that that's where it could be at fun. And same thing with golf, like something just completely maybe unmodelable, like longest hole out, like uh, you know, if somebody chips in from the fairway, it could be God knows who just getting lucky. Like that's not, you know, you could put some numbers to it, but it's not very easy to predict something like that. And if you gave out some high high prices for something like that, shit could get weird. I don't know. Those those are fun Th- things like that make it more fun.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I don't know. I don't have the answers, but you're dead on. Uh, there's got to be some fun thing, like you know, a ch- uh, you know, a side pot for
0: five um, percent for most free throws is stupid. Yeah, that's, large. That's lunacy. Yeah, People no. It's got. It's got to be. That.
2: It's got to be like um, largest margin of victory times most missed three pointers, right? Like something like <sighs> kind of random like that. That. I don't think yeah. you have to go that the far because the team's got to win, but they divided
0: by the through. sum of their yeah. jersey numbers on the floor Ooh, when, the, now, okay. when the game is ending.
1: So I did one where, real quick, I did one where. Uh, so first of all, twenty percent of the pot goes to the worst four teams to make it through the first weekend. So like you kind of, it's interesting because you get a bad oh, team through, and now. It's 5% each, but like now you're rooting against the other teams to lose. And it's kind of interesting. And there's some variance around like if this team wins, what are the chances that they are one of the four worst teams? Um, and you can th- always throw in some like against the spread stuff, like some percent of the pot is- goes to whatever team does the best against the spread the whole tournament or something like
2: that. So I didn't watch the recap in close detail. Did you end up with all 16 bottom seeds? because you went in with that like you had that plan when you went into it or nobody else had a real appetite for those or you got to the point where you're like well I can't risk losing a portion of that pot like because you know only one there was only going to be one pot awarded to largest margin of victory right and so they're all kind of competing against each other if you have all of them but at the same time if you have all of them you're less a lot less likely to lose that pot right
1: yeah so we talked about it in the after is that i just had um my headphones are going out here um we're good uh so i just had the chance that one of those teams had the was a victim of the largest blowout a little higher than a couple of the other guys and I also had uh, the chance that one of those 16 bottom teams won a little higher. Like I only thought there was a, uh, I think it was like a 7% chance that the biggest upset didn't come from a 13 or six through 16.
2: That sounds good. Um,
1: And I think, so I think some like Matt David out had said he had it at like 12 or 13, which that causes the difference. Although the funny thing is, the one team that actually paid any money out was St. Peter's. And that was the one team that I bought for basically fair that I didn't really think I had an edge to. Um, and the only reason I got bid up there was cause I think Rufus was trying to buy them cause Yale was in that group. And I basically was like, well, I should own all of them. So I'll bid exactly fair on this, not have any edge. And sometimes you just get lucky, which is frequently the case.
2: Cause uh, is the biggest blots in there too, right? Currently. Uh, that's the same group
1: it was yeah actually it was that it
2: might was. end up being the triple scooper <laughs> the only yeah. upset and the biggest and they ended up making it to the sweet yeah. 16 so and i'd like huge, to say pure one.
1: unadulterated luck just yeah stated. i mean
2: yeah we talked about that after the uh nfl one was over like the idea that anyone had any meaningful ev on the actual price was pretty small <laughs> it's like yeah yeah, yeah, the, the NFL ones, everybody's
0: sitting there with the same numbers for yeah, sure. You're just, that's you're basically
2: like, hey, let's grab a couple teams and, and cross our fingers.
0: Yeah, that's that's <laughs> basically like how much do you want to spend? Like yeah. here, if yeah. if you know the pot, like how much do you want to spend? Here's which teams fit in that range. And if maybe you can get this one and then add that one at the at a certain point too. I like that I, I do like that though, the what Andrew talked about with the, the worst four teams to make it through the first weekend. Oh yeah, that's great. Because then if you if you had a couple. And then you have to start just cheering again. You have to start cheering for all the blue bloods. Like, no more upsets. I want to keep these in that. It's like Pozzolo with every time a team started getting up by, like, two or three touchdowns, he, he would just start sweating because he had that. I think he had biggest loss in right off the bat in the NFL playoffs. So he was just cheering for close yeah. games for basically the entire NFL playoffs.
2: Yeah, that makes the whole middle class more desirable, too, which helps flatten things out a lot, which is nice. Because you're basically like there's not a ton of incentive to I always thought like I rarely would end up with an eight or a nine seed, even a seven ten in those, because like the the utility on that second win is, is pretty fragile. <laughs> and, yeah, right. And if but if there's an added spice of oh well this if they if that happens and then you also get the kicker of um, you know, being the lowest four, that's nice. Uh, makes it a lot more. Should,
0: um, should put something together before, before the season starts, uh, like a full, and I'm going to say 358 because I haven't really checked who's moving up or down. I know there's a couple teams coming up, but a full 358 team Calcutta preseason.
2: Before the season. Just uh, the table, just gonna, take a whole day off. Like, you act. have to
0: like skip work that day. You know, you know when you would do it, oh. you'd have to do it during the baseball all-star break when there's like that day <laughs> where there's literally no sports to bet on that day. Well, and dude, everybody shows up at like bro. seven in the morning.
2: You know how bad I would love to do? Like not even one for the whole three hundred fifty teams or whatever, but just like a 60, 128 player, like tennis slam would be fun as shit, but that's, you know, that's, that's the time tough. between the draw. I mean, nobody, nobody else cares enough to do. I
1: would be in for a, a, every FBS college football team. Cause there's like 120 Ooh. And it's a more reasonable yeah. number, and you there's a lot of really good season long rewards there that you oh, could yeah. do. Great. call. Oh yeah, you could have fun with that. Just like yeah,
2: win your most, conference, most touchdowns, yeah. like yeah, best, when you're when your conference, when percentage. your bowl. Yeah.
1: I mean, those you don't even have to do weird ones because the you know before you the season so it's shit, so hard yeah. to figure out you know all of the but you know winning a conference, having the Heisman winner, like all the stuff that you could kind of have a oh, stake in. Cool. it'd be really fun that's cool yeah whatever whatever that's Good idea F- fcs you guys have called. you guys have a lot of friends in high places put it together i'll twist them my, I'll, I'll try end.
2: to i'll try to twist some arms F- on that F- that would F- be fun itself that'd be cool um all right man. solves
0: problems for the jersey betters who can't bet on monmouth
2: yeah do you still bet baseball or you bag it
1: uh i mean it's it, it's i i do but i don't want to you know, I don't want to come off like I'm a big, you know, originator, have really good numbers for everything. It's a lot mm-hmm. of AP kind of stuff. And, you know, there the props are relatively liquid. You can bet those. So
2: Cool. Uh, anything especially interesting about this season coming up that we should let people know about? I going to be so juiced so or fast. not juiced or a, a total so grab bag or what?
1: <laughs> I don't even know what players have signed with which, which teams. I probably have to go figure that out.
0: Oh, we got Korea. <laughs> yeah. you, do you have a rooting interest like are you do you have a chicago team you like or you just say the hell with the uh, i'm
1: uh a, i'm a, a cleveland guardians fan Oof. so yeah they uh they have been good and refused to spend money for like <laughs> 10 years yeah you say so you're behind
0: it was yeah it was like uh well jason had tweeted that he bet the guardians plus 10 and a half and plus 14 and a half in that you know, preseason game, they were getting blown out. And it just didn't click with me, the name change, because we haven't talked about it in like six months. And I was yeah. super sure for like 10 seconds that USFL had started. I'm like, <laughs> shit, is he, be- is he being like some other football league? What the fuck is this? And it was like, oh, no, the Guardians. Like, they're just getting the shit stomped out of them in a preseason game. But yeah, baseball, that's a that's a bad name. It's not a bad name. I take it back. It's a good, it's a good enough name. It's a bad logo. The G around the baseball is rough. They need to rework that.
1: New names are tough. I feel like everyone hates them. Uh, what are you gonna do? Uh,
0: the the best tweet in the world about the the whole thing that came out. It's like, what if somebody had a football team in two thousand twenty one or whatever, and they had to change the name and they said, hey, we're gonna name it the Packers. Like
1: pe- people right. would
0: people would lose their minds. Like what what are you even thinking here? It's just, yeah, new names are tough.
1: I just can't imagine like I. It seems insane to care about the nickname of the sporting team that much. I just could never get to caring that much. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I don't cheer for laundry anymore these days. So uh, I'm going go to some,
0: I'm gonna go to some Twins games out of the fact that, like, oh yeah, Correa will Korea should be fun, and our pitching will be horrible. So I'll just go there, bet the over, have some peanuts. Are they doing Here's
2: the DH in the NL this year, or is it next year?
0: Yeah it's this year
2: this year yeah
0: they're doing that Uh, i think runner on second is back again in extras yes which people are pissed about but whatever
2: okay interesting good deal all right well let's wrap it up this was fantastic andrew of course you can check him out at time and see on twitter uh and uh you know i wish you nothing but the best of luck in the calcutta uh godspeed to kansas and the jayhawks Um uh, hopefully uh Rock um, you know you being there in the arena isn't gonna jinx them not that uh you know not that that happens but you know knocking on wood here for you um the uh rest of the uh, tournament is going to be fun to watch it play out surely uh and um uh, if you have any thoughts or questions or want to reach out to Andrew, give him some uh, accounts to provide some liquidity to his college <laughs> basketball. I'm sure you'd appreciate yes, that, especially that. since you're going to miss out on all the good ones at Bet Bash. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Hey, uh, best of luck. Enjoy the rest of the tournament. And uh, thanks again for all your time. And music.
0: And credits. Hopefully I have better right. luck during the end credits than I do during the opening credits. The timing on that was so fucking wild. Bro. Like the credits go off. and oh, I know drops.